Happy New Year. This is one of my favorite services of the year. Because I love the anticipation building up to the first Sunday of the year. Because really, I turn my heart, my focus, and everything toward God. What are you going to do this year? Yeah, I remember last year, 2021 started, and we were right here a year ago, and the Lord gave me the word for me personally, and I shared it with you guys, that 2020 would be a year that would be a year of vision. We would see things we had never seen before. And I took that for, wow, it's going to be an amazing year. And then 2020 started, and everything was going well and great, and first week in March, we walk in a doctor's office, and the doctor looks at us and says, you're perfectly healthy three-year-old that you've had your her whole life, never been sick at all, now has a permanent affliction that will affect her the rest of her life. We're like, whoa, we did not see this coming. Then we get to March, and the world shuts down. You remember the world shutting down? I remember that. And, you know, we were in awe. Economies were crashing. Families were running scared. Churches closed their doors. Locked. We began to move church online. It became a time that we had never seen before. Then right in the middle of the pandemic, the social, racial, hatred, sinful issues explode across the nation. Then on top of that, we went through one of the craziest elections probably in history. And... We're, we're rolling, we, you know, even to the point where, you know, we saw earthquakes in crazy places. There were earthquakes here in El Dorado. We had one in Foley, Alabama. I mean, it was earthquakes there. We saw stuff we'd never seen before. We actually had two hurricanes in the Gulf at the same time, first time in history in 2021, or 2020. We actually had a Category 1 hurricane here in El Dorado, Arkansas, and we're 400 miles from a beach. I mean, that is insane. I, God said he would, we would see things we had never seen before. And we saw it. But during the same time, we saw the same God that we have always seen. Keep his hand on us and on you through every bit of that. And I'm so glad that we, yeah, we got to see some stuff. But I'm so glad that we got to see God be faithful. You're here today because God's faithful. You're here today because God keeps his word. You're here today because... God's got a plan for your life. Rolling into 2021 now is an um, exciting time. I've been praying for weeks on what was it going to be. And I was praying, Lord, please don't tell me we're going to see a year we've never seen before. And uh, the Lord gave me this scripture. And so today we're going to start a series called From Now On, and it'll make a little bit more sense. Over the next few weeks, I'm going to give you some, some statements that I'm going to ask you to make. Because, see... Most of our lives, we make statements that limit us. Um, we say things when we go through things that pin us in and imprison us as people. Actually, the term is called intervals. We make intervals. When we go through hard circumstances and hard situations, when we go through life disappointments or we go through major hurts or shames, what happens is we will make intervals and they will usually sound like this. I will never... Let anyone hurt me like that again. Or I will never put myself in a place to get used like that again. I will never go to a church and get involved because of what has happened again. I will never. We build these intervals and see, we don't understand the power of these intervals. What we say 
and things we choose to do, what they do is they build walls of protection for us. Like when you get your heart broken from somebody that should not have broken your heart the way or you've been hurt. I, I will never let anybody get that close to me again. And so we build a wall or a brick and put it and we build these what we consider to be fortresses to protect us from the pain that we've been through in the past. But what happens is those fortresses become strongholds. And you can build something to protect you, but it becomes something that imprisons you. And the Bible says that they become strongholds, but the Bible says this, that we are to tear down strongholds. So this year, starting off this year, we've been through a lot, but we've seen God faithful through it all. And so this year, what we're going to do is we're going to start this year off making some declarations, making some, some, some positive declarations and decisions that I believe God will use to take us on in to the rest of this year. Blessed, happy, full of joy, full of peace, full of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. This is the scripture the Lord gave me. Let's jump into it. Romans fifteen thirteen says this. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. I love that. And this is when I was praying and reading and studying this week. The Lord told me, this is the word. This is the word. 2021 will be a year full of hope like you have never seen before. Now, I want to explain this to you a bit. Because again, like in 2020, when the Lord told me, I, I see it was going to be a year of vision. I'll see things I've never seen before. I should have dug a little deeper. Amen. And I just took it at faith value because I got a lot of things caught me off guard. I was so excited when I heard the Lord say, now the God of hope, this will be a year of hope. It says this will fill you. I believe there's going to be an outpouring of hope. In our church, in your family, in your life, and in our nation, and I believe around the world this year, like we have never seen before, an outpouring of hope that the God, that only God could bring about. You say, well, Cricket, what does that mean? Well, what hope is, is that tomorrow is going to be better. That's what hope says. Hope says tomorrow will be better. Hope says your marriage is not always going to be like this. God's going to fix it, heal it, mend it, make it right. Hope says you're not going to get sick and die of COVID. God's going to protect you and keep you from it. God, hope says you know, that I'm not always going to work a menial, minimum wage job. God's got something better in store for me. We serve the God of hope. He has the power and the ability to make your tomorrow better than it is today. You say, well, I like my today. It can only get better with the God of hope because God has the ability to make every day better. And this will be a year 2021 that we're going to see the God of hope pour out. It says here, fill and to fill you. It has some, something has to go out of one container into another pour out, fill you with joy and peace. Isn't that awesome? And I'm ready for some joy. We've been through some stuff. You've been through some stuff. It's time for joy. I'm ready for some peace. I'm ready for everything to die. ready for, to give us a chance to let the dust settle. Amen. And so this is going to be a year that has the ability or potential to be full of joy and full of peace and believing that you may abound in hope. It says through you say, well, how can I get through the power of the Holy Spirit? 
So over the next several weeks, we're going we're gonna to be going into this because I want to break it down as simple as I can. Some weeks are going to be pretty simple. Today will probably be like, a pretty simple cricket. I understand it. But we're going to get into some really deep stuff over the next couple of days. And it's going to really challenge you in some areas that if you can make the declaration, if you can make the resolve. I don't believe in resolutions. I believe that we are to become people of resolve, that we are to make decisions that from now on, this is the way it's going to be. Amen? So let's get into this thing quickly. The Bible says, all right, that God is a God of hope. And I believe, and I know that He told me this year He's going to pour out an abundance of hope, enough to fill every one of those places that maybe you've lost yours. Maybe you've lost your hope for that kid. Maybe you've lost your hope for your financial situation. Maybe you've lost your hope for your marriage, your mate. Maybe you've just lost your hope for life in general. Ever being happy or ever dream you've ever had. I'm telling you, this year, the God of hope is going to fill you. Full of joy and peace and believing. And you may abound. But how does that happen? Hope is one of those things, though, that kind of like vision last year was. You're going to see things you've never seen before. That, that sounded real good, but also there was something we saw there that we saw things. There's a lot of things I hadn't seen before that maybe not taste so good too. Hope is one of those things. Because the Bible says in Proverbs that hope deferred makes the heart sick. So what could happen this year could be an amazing move of God on your behalf or at the end of this year, you can find yourself empty, heartbroken, disappointed, and depressed. So my job going into this year is I'm to, I feel as strong as I need to lay out the steps that we need to take going into this year. I feel like the Lord told me this is going to be a year of appointment. But if you don't understand the appointment, it will become a year of disappointment. If you miss an appointment, you ever missed an appointment and wish it later you wouldn't have? And so I've been there. Not every moment's the same. You know, could you imagine out of the five, 500 history believes records of the people that were standing watching Jesus ascend? And, the, and Jesus said, now go to Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit. Only 120. Don't you think the other uh, 380 felt like they had missed out of that moment because of that outpouring? There's going to, I believe, there's, there's going to be an outpouring. You need, desperately need hope this year. Because the power that hope carries. God says, God is a God of hope. But what does hope do? In Hebrews 11, 1, it says this. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. You say, well, Cricket, that's a faith scripture. No, that's a hope scripture. Because there is an a, a, a outline here of what it takes to get what it is we're believing for. First, it says, you have to have hope. Because it says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. So where does it start? It starts with hope. What's God going to do this year? What God's going to do in your life, for your family, on your behalf, in your church, in this nation, and around the world is going to start with a hope that God is going to do something better than what we have seen take place so far. I believe politically in our nation that God is lining things up to do something better than what we've been dealing with for the last several months. I believe financially in this situation God's going to do something that I have hope that the God has the ability to do. But it says it starts with hope. But it can't just stay with hope. Because if all you do this year is hope that it's going to get better, the Bible says in Proverbs, 
hope deferred. In other words, you just waiting on hope. You just waiting for it to happen. You just taking it and not allow, you know, not doing anything else. It makes the heart sick. Hope can bring disappointment. Have you ever hoped somebody would do something and they didn't? And the feeling, see, I don't want you to get to the end of this year hoping God's going to do these great things. Because I know He can. I know He will. And I know it's His heart too. But yet, at the end of the year, you find yourself still just living on hope. You're never to just live on hope. God pours out hope. But then it's our job to next take the step and apply the word and bring it to faith. See, it says there's hope. It says things hope for. And then it brings in faith. As we take our hope and we apply faith to it, then it brings about evidence, promises. Those things you're believing God for. Those things that you know God is wanting to do in your life starts with hope. We take a hold of that hope and we use our faith. We put our faith to work. The Bible says faith without works is dead. That is hope deferred. In other words, you just take hope and you don't do anything with it. Then what happens is faith without works is dead. The same thing as saying hope deferred makes the heart sick. Scripture says for you to receive the promises, there is a process. The process is you take the hope that God gives you. I want you to know something. The devil's never given anybody any hope. And so if you're here today and you don't have the ability to believe it's going to get better, I believe before you walk out of here today, you're going to understand God can make your things better, make your situation better. He is a God of hope. and He's going to outpour hope. And through this year, I believe he's going to continue to outpour hope. And your hope is going to grow and grow to the point of abounding to where it will fill you full of joy and full of peace. Now, what you do with that joy, that hope is going to be up to you. Are you just going to keep hoping it's going to get better? Or are you going to take this year and use it for what God has given it to us for? And you're going to turn it into evidence. I don't want my hope in God to just stay hope. I want it to become evidence. That the God that I serve is real. That the God that I serve is good. And the God that I serve is powerful. And the God that I serve can do what no one else can do on my behalf. And so this year, it's going to be a year of hope. But it's going to take me taking hold of my hope. Moving it into a place of faith. And then God beginning to bring it into a place of substance. There's a process. God does everything in a process. You say, well, God, why can't he just do it? Why can't he just... Do it. Why can't he just, I can create on Genesis 1-1. Why can't he just let there be and it happens? Because since then, everything God's done, he's done it through a process. That's why trees don't drop trees. They drop seeds. That's the process of God. All starts with the seed. There's always a process. A seed falls to the ground. It dies. It buries. It gets planted. It grows. And it grows and it produces. And then the process keeps repeating. God's doing processes in your life. And those processes are called steps. A lot of times, we want God to do the work, but we're not willing to take the steps. In Psalms 137, 23, says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. A lot of times, people know God's the answer. They trust that God's the answer. And you may have hope that God can, but you're not willing to take the steps it's going to take to see God do it. In the Bible, the Bible says that Jesus, there was a rich young ruler that came up to Jesus and he said, Master, what must I, as he called him, teacher, what, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he said, what you've got to do is you've got to keep the Ten Commandments. 
He said, oh, I can do that. That's no problem. I can do that. And he says, okay, now give away all that you have. And I'm sure he perked up at that moment. What? And he said, and give it to the poor. And I'm sure at that moment he perked up again. And when he said that, I believe this. I believe Jesus said, listen, you want me to do this one thing for you. You know I can or you wouldn't have come to me. But what you're going to have to understand is I'm going to do this thing in processes. And you're going to have to be willing to take steps. The first step he was willing to take. But when he said give away what you have, it challenged him. I, a lot of people would preach that that's where he probably turned off. He loved his stuff more than he loved um, God. I don't believe that personally because he was a rich young ruler. He was a good businessman. And any good businessman understands the process of investing. You know, if, if you're not willing to invest what you have, a lot of times you won't gain anymore. I think it came to the problem of give up who you are. You're a rich young ruler. You're a rich young leader and be willing to be a follower. I believe that's when it changed his heart. And he said, Jesus, let him walk away sad. That he had an appointment. For a great season. But it became disappointment because it wasn't willing to take the steps. So this year, it's going to be a year of hope. But there are steps involved. Just like here at our church, the purpose of our church, we believe that God does everything in a process and steps. You know, a lot of times people come in and say, well, what step do I need to take? We don't concentrate them on enough, but you're going to hear a lot of them this year. You know, the first step we take as a church is we believe we're a place where people are to come. And first step is know God. When you come here, that's why we do what we do. Why we are what we are is because we want to be a place where people come into the presence of God. They have an encounter with God and they have a change and a move and experience with God. So when they walk out of here, it's not they come in the same. They leave the same way they came when they leave. They are different because they now know God. Either for the first time or at a deeper level. So our first step here is we want people to know God. Our next Step here in the church is when you come in, if you if you encounter God and you, you know God and you come part of the next thing, we, we want you to find freedom. So we want you to get involved in small groups and get involved in our growth classes. You know, every Sunday morning we have a um, a what we call a new believers class. Where's Wade at? Right there, Wade. He did it this morning, 930, taught a new believers class. And what that is, he's, he's giving people the next step to take. For God to do this work in their life. Everybody, when they come in and meet God and know God, they have this hope from God that God's going to change everything. But a lot of times, they come three or four weeks, five weeks, and then they go back doing what they do. It's like, God didn't do anything because they didn't take the next step. The next step, we do. We as a church, one, we want you to know God. Number two, we want you to find freedom. We believe that happens through discipleship and through small groups, connection. You're never made to live life alone. So that's why, like, Pastor Yvette is... Our connections pastor. He's over our small groups. All the different small groups in the church. Next week, you'll be given a chance to be able to find which one you fit in. Find out you don't you don't go through life alone. You won't make it very far by yourself. You were never meant to. The Bible says it's not good for a man to be alone. So we believe you will find freedom because God doesn't want you to go to heaven living this, under the same bondage as you came in to the kingdom with. Now, you can be saved and still be addicted. You can be saved and still be bound, you can be saved and still be depressed, but that's not God's will. God wants you to come in and get saved. He wants your spirit saved, then He wants to save your soul. That's why the Bible says they were saved, and then the Scripture says they are being saved, and then when we get to heaven, we will be saved. In other words, you'll get a new physical body, a new spiritual body, but there's a process. 
And so you being a part of this church, we want you to know God. Number two, we want you to find freedom. And you'll find freedom through our freedom class, through new believers class. You'll find it through our discipleship programs as you go to walk your walk out with God, giving you the tools. Now, people say, well, I've been saved for a long time. I don't need no need. I don't need new believers class. Well, I've learned this as a builder, that if I'm building on a bad foundation, I'm going to have problems with that building from now on. And so my thing is, if you've never been through a new believers class, I encourage you this year to get involved. It's a 40 minute class. They're going through the book, following Jesus, the seven principles of foundation that you need to be able to build your life on. And so if you've not done, I don't care if you've been saved 50 years, that means you've got a bad foundation. If you don't have these foundations in place, you need to go through that class. You need to find freedom. Don't just stop knowing God. Find freedom. Thirdly, we believe that you, we, our calling is to help you discover purpose. We have tools. We have people. We have, see, a lot of people spend their whole Christian walk looking for God. Why do you have me here? What am I here for? Why did you bring? And they say, it's a, what, what's such a waste when it's so easy to find what your purpose is? You were created. The Bible says, I know the plans I have for you. It says, Lord, plans of good, not of evil. The plans to give you a future and a hope. There's a purpose for your life. And God wants you to find it so you can be fully fulfilled. And then here, what we do is we believe that God's called our church to make a difference. And what we do, I love how this church does, just like every Wednesday night. I watch it from Alabama. After our service is over, I turn on, I watch you guys giving out food, loading cars, playing music, loving on people. Man, over the last COVID, this COVID system, y'all have truly made a difference in this community. I'm so proud to say I'm a part of this church. We probably fed 10,000 people in the last six months. Isn't that amazing? I'm so proud of you guys. And with our food truck and doing pop-up services, man, they, we probably, we did an on average 300 meals a Sunday in different communities, reaching people. And let me, I'm just so proud of that we do make a difference. You know, I'm one of the greatest differences we made, and I was going to use the testimony, but for the sake of time today, I'm not. But Brad came in. Through you guys making a difference. And Brad has become one of the greatest joys of my life. Joy. Man, I, I think about you. I talk about you. But on a pop-up service in an apartment. Feeding people. And doing a service. Brad said, you know what? That's a family I want to join. And he's been with us ever since. Yeah, man, I'm so proud of you. But that's what we're called to do. You say, well, Cricket, are you just telling us what you are today? No, I, I was saying this. Say this. What happens a lot of times, though, is the reason why it don't work. Is people come in and we have a plan and we have a step process that we as a church try to go through. But the thing of it here is this. If you get these things out of order, they won't work for you. See, if you come in and you try to discover your purpose without knowing God. What happens is you'll just spin your wheels and get so exhausted and so tired. And it won't be long before you walk out of here. And you go try to find somebody else that will help you find your purpose. I'm here to tell you, there's an order to things. There's steps and processes with the Lord. And if you want this year to be the year of hope and to turn into substance, you're going to have to do it things God's way. You will not get God's will your way. And the Bible says that in 1 Corinthians that he does everything decent and in order. So if you're going to have his will, you got to do it God's way. And you got to do it his steps, his order. See, that word order, the steps are ordered. That means that one goes before the other in a specific sequence. And so you just, some people come in and they want to make a difference, but yet they never want to find freedom. Do you know how 
making a difference is affected by you being bound, depressed, addicted, and filthy from what the world has put on you, it affects you greatly. You won't make the impact and the difference that God wants you to make if you can't find freedom. So there is a process that like here at the church we do, but there's also a process God wants to work through you. He has an order for you specifically. And a lot of times that hadn't worked in our lives because we tried to do His plan our way. In other words, we wanted to choose what order the steps go in. And so today I want to lay out a few things that maybe will help us start this year and make this year be all that it can be. And starting off this morning, I believe what we should do and what God's done is we're going to have to get some things in align. Alignment. You know what alignment is? You ever had a car out of alignment? I have. I've hit enough potholes and curbsides and all kind of stuff. What happens is when you when a vehicle strikes sudden impacts or hits objects or goes through terrain that you know it wasn't ready for or prepared for or made for, what happens is the steering of that car gets what they call knocked out of alignment. When your car's out of alignment, there's telltale signs that your car is out of alignment. One of the telltale signs is you will fight to keep that car going in the right direction. And I've had my car out of alignment to where if I can't let go of the wheel, it would shoot. If I let go of the wheel, it would shoot off into the ditch. That means your car is out of alignment. Spiritually speaking, there's been times in my life, and I know you've had them too, when things got out of alignment, it was like you were fighting everything you could do to keep your life going in this right direction. And if you would ever get to a place where you just needed to take a break or a rest, your car would shoot off the wrong direction. You find yourself doing things that you never wanted to do again or being back in situations you never thought you'd be back in. Your life would be shucked off into the ditch. And it wasn't that there was a problem with God. And it wasn't a problem with you. Things had just gotten out of alignment. And so your Christian walk and your faith just becomes a fight and a struggle. To keep it going in the right direction. And the truth is you eventually get tired. And like when you're driving, you'll eventually take your hand off that wheel. And you'll find yourself in a ditch. And either you have to call the wrecker. You have to call Billy with the big truck and the chain. Or you'll be stuck there a while. And that's not God's plan for this year. Another sign of being out of alignment is that your tires will begin to wear out before they're supposed to wear out. You can tell your things are out of alignment when, man, you begin to just, you're, you're just wore out all the time. Man, you're stressed at home, you're stressed at work, you're stressed at church, you're stressed with your friends. You can never find a time that it's not wearing on you constantly. And all you can think is, I just need a break. I just need to get, I get a, a, I just need to get a break. You know you're out of alignment. Another sign or another danger of being out of alignment is this. You open yourself up to a blowout at any time. When a car's out of alignment, the worse it gets, your tires can blow out on the next pothole, the next bump in the road, and then it puts everything at risk and danger, and then people are having to come and pick up the pieces of a wrecked life or a wrecked circumstance, a wrecked marriage, a wrecked job. And it was all because things were just out of alignment. Wasn't that people are bad people? You get things out of alignment. Now, I'm a construction worker. That's what I do. And... In construction, I, um, over the years, I have worn certain parts of my body out. And so I have, about 15 years ago, I started having what I would call major back pain. And what would happen is, as I would go do a job, 
after I would get through with that job, man, I would have this killing pain right in the middle of both of my shoulders. And it would just hurt. And I would just ignore it, thinking, you know, because okay, right now I've got a huge bruise on my arm from running a jackhammer this week. And so I just thought that's part of construction. But it wasn't. They, what happened was things in my back had gotten out of alignment. And because I really didn't know that's what it was, I would let it go. And that pain in my back would move into discomfort to where I couldn't get comfortable anywhere. I couldn't go to sleep at night. I'd lay in bed uncomfortable. Jennifer would be snoozing. I'd be hurting. Trying to get comfortable. Couldn't get comfort anywhere. Then it went from that to where my hands started getting numb. I would get up every morning and for about two hours, both hands would be completely numb. It would take me about an hour of just doing this to get the feeling to come back in my hands. And I would get to where I couldn't even pick up a coffee cup in the mornings because my hands were completely numb. It was like they were asleep all the time. That's the most insane feeling. It would drive you nuts. Then what took place, though, is it would begin to limit my ability to move. I could only reach up so high. I could only move down so far. I started getting majorly concerned about it, so I went to see a chiropractor. You know, Arkansas guys, we don't go see doctors, but that's where I went and saw a chiropractor. He said, oh, you're just out of alignment. He laid me on a shocking table for about 30 minutes, shocking the fire out of me, and then he put me on a table and he twisted me in ways the human body was probably never meant to be twisted, and it would pop and snap and twist, and it would hurt, and then when he was done, I was out of pain. He put me back in alignment. And for years, what I would do is I would go to work, do a job, and I just considered it part of the job. I was going to have a chiropractor's visit after each job to get put back in alignment because hanging sheetrock on ceilings or, you know, picking walls up, or it was going to throw my back out of alignment, and I was just going to have to go see a doctor to get this fixed. But about five years ago, I learned something. I learned that if before I start the job, and every morning while I'm on the job, I get Jennifer to align my back, then by the end of the job, I'm not out of alignment. I align myself every day. And she does. She's got two moves that we've been taught that she does to my back that when I'm in the middle of a job, she can pop, pop, and I never go through that pain again. Saying that, say, spiritually speaking, there's a lot of people that are good people. And in your past, you probably went through things that you didn't realize what was going on, but you went through seasons where all of a sudden you're starting to have this pain. People, everybody you walk up to hurts you. They hurt your feelings. You become real sensitive. You're, you're, it's like you're constantly living in a state of pain and you're thinking that it's everybody else, but it's not everybody else. It's who you are because what's happening is something in your life had gotten out of alignment. But if you don't recognize that something's out of alignment, then it will move to that next stage that you won't be comfortable anywhere. So you'll come to a church service and the Holy Spirit will start moving on people and convicting people and shifting people and you'll get so uncomfortable there that you won't even be able to sit through a church service anymore. Then you won't even be able to sit and read your Bible or listen to preach on TV because you can't get comfortable anywhere and you start thinking there's something wrong with you or with all the other church. No, you're out of alignment. But if you allow it to stay, then you start going numb. You'll start going spiritually numb. The things that used to convict you and the things you used to be so sensitive and tender to before the Lord. You can sit through a service where the Holy Spirit is moving on people and people are having true experience. You're just there. It's like you're, you're just cold and you can feel the coldness, but you don't know what to do about the coldness. You're just numb. And then what happens is you find out you start losing your spiritual maneuverability. You can't affect people the way you used to. You can't help people the way you used to. You can't even love people the way you used to. It's not because there's something wrong with you. What it is is you've just gotten out of alignment. Something in you shifted to a place that it shouldn't. But see, God talks and preaches about alignment all the way through the Bible. 
And so today, I want to talk, this is what we will be doing over there. We're going to be putting things back into alignment. Because if you can understand going into the first of this year, that you can live pain-free. I mean, now I don't dread, I used to dread any job that was over my head because I knew the pain it was going to cause me. But now that I know if I just make sure I stay in alignment before I get to the job, while I'm at the job, and when the job's over, I make the money, but I don't have the pain. I don't mind the jobs. God never intended for you to live life out of alignment. That's why he says, the steps of the good man are ordered by the Lord. And then he said this, and then I be it says, and he delights when the man takes the steps. You want to please God with your life? Take a step. Take the next step. Move to the next place. Because God, the Bible says, God loves that. It makes him so happy as you take steps. But going into this year, you've got to know there are certain steps we've got to take. Because what steps do, they position you to the place of promise. Steps are the process that position us. into. So if this is going to be a year of hope, you're going to have to take hold of hope. But you're going to be willing to take the steps that it takes for hope to be taken so that it can convert to faith so that it will turn into substance. Does that make sense to you guys? So this is where we're going. You say, well, Cricket, how do I do that? It takes a resolve. I don't believe in um, resolutions because I, just like everybody else, 99% of them fail. You know, last year my resolution was to lose 10 pounds. And I'm proud to say here in 2020, I only have 17 to go. That's the way they usually work in my life. I don't want a resolution. I want you to take what a resolution is a plan you have that you hope will do good. A resolve is a decision you make because God's going to make it all different. In Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, this is what it says. The Bible says in, in Daniel what happened was the Babylonian Empire come and captured the Israelites. And the king looked at them and said, I want you to take all the good looking. I wouldn't have got taken in that group. <laughs> yeah. Chris... You would have found yourself there. All right. <laughs> but he says, get all the good looking, get all the extremely smart. See, I wouldn't have made it in that one either. And I want you to bring them in. I want you to train them the ways of the Babylon. Because we want to indoctrinate them, get them to think the way we think. Get them to live the way we live. Because if they can think the way we think and live the way we live, in the future, we will be able to control who they are. So they took all the young men that were potential leaders, good-looking and strong. And they said, all right, we're going to put them in the king's court. We're going to teach them the way we live, change their thinking, and we can change who they are. And the Bible says that then they told them that they're going to also have them eat the way they eat. And they were going to not just eat shabby food. They were going to eat the best food off the king's table. Problem with this food was it had been offered to other gods. Now, most of the ones that showed up there showed up there that were held into captivity. You know, well, this is what life is like now. And so we might as well just do what we can do. God wouldn't let us go through this if he didn't want us to have to. So they just went along with the plan. You know, Romans 12, 2 has a statement that says, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. Meaning there's a, there's a difference, there's a pattern. The world has a pattern of thinking, a pattern of doing, a pattern of living. But there is another pattern another way of living, another way of doing. And Daniel decided 
And I love it. The word it uses here says, and damaged. This one says, and Daniel purposed in his heart. Will you go to the NIV for me? I like it, that version. It says, and Daniel resolved. In other words, he made up his mind what he was going to do before he was put into a situation to have to do something or make a decision to do it differently. He made a resolution. He resolved in himself. One translation says he purposed in his heart. One translation said he decided that there was going to be no other way for him to live. And when he resolved, the Bible says, to live and live undefiled, live the way he was raised, the way a Jewish Israelite was called to live by God. The Bible says that God was faithful to him. I'm going to read that to you. It says, he, it says, But Daniel resolved not to devour himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief officials for permission not to devour himself and defile himself in this way. Go to the next one if you don't mind. I love this. Read this. See that part? It says, Now God had caused the officials to show favor. Isn't that awesome? This year you want God to do things for you? You're going to have to decide some things at the beginning of this year. You have to make some resolutions. You're going to have to make some from now on. From now on, I will do it God's way. I want to talk about two resolutions for you today. God took Daniel and raised him to the highest of the highest positions in that nation. Changed the world as we knew it. Even 700 years before Christ was born, prepared and positioned Daniel had an influence on the wise men that showed up in the Matthew when they came bringing gifts. All because of a man made some decisions of the way he was going to live before he was facing a pit with a lion in it. If you wait till you're in the face of the pit, you're probably not going to make the right decision. Decisions have to be made up front and before. Those are resolves. And here is the one we're going to talk about today. I want to talk about two. We have five minutes. I want to talk about two. And I ask you today, will you be able to make this resolution? From now on, I will put God first. You say, well, Cricket, that's so simple. Let me tell you what putting God first is, because a lot of times we don't understand it. But it is truly the secret to it all. Anything that God is first in, the rest becomes blessed. Anything that you give to the Lord and say, this is yours. I will put you first before anyone else. God will use in mighty ways. In Matthew 6, it says this, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. I love that translation of it. All these things will be given to you as well. So in other words, it blows that mentality out of the water that Christians are going to be poor, broke, hard, life. No, he's going to give you, if you will put God first, he's going to give you everything that comes with God and everything else as well. Isn't that amazing? That God's not the big no God. That he wants you to be blessed. He wants you to be happy. He wants you to be successful. He just wants you to have him first. But you have to put God first. It's the very beginning of the way God started it all. In Genesis 1.1, if you just took the first four words of the Bible and only lived them, and you didn't live any of the rest, just the first four words of the Bible, and lived that with all your heart, the rest of your life will be a success. 
It says, in the beginning, God. If you will put God in the beginning of everything. You want me to tell you how to have a successful marriage, husbands? Decide you're going to be a man of God before you decide you're going to be a husband. Now, if you get up, if I get, I can get up in a day and be mad at Jen. And then if I'll stop and say, all right, God, I'm about to let her know what I think. But before I do, I got to act the way you told me to. Yeah, I never get to tell her what I think. (laughs) Wives, you want to be the most amazing wife? Become a woman of God first. And then be a wife. You want to be the greatest employee in your company? Go to work as a man of God first. And when you show up there, do your job as a man of God. Don't do it for a paycheck. God says, do everything as you do is unto the Lord. God must be first. Anything that God's not first of, the Bible says, is cursed. So the first resolve going into this year is, I must put God. From now on, I will put God first. You say, well, cricket, that's very odd. Say, well, how do I do that? Can I give you just some real practical ways to do it? This is how you do it. You give God the first of everything. You say, okay, there you go. We're going to talk about money. It, I am going to talk about money just so it'll make a little sense because it's called the tithe. In Leviticus 27.30, it says this, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain, from the soil, or from the fruit, from the trees, belongs to the Lord, and it is holy to the Lord. Everything you own, everything you have, everything you are, the Bible says the first belongs to God. Now, we think in the sense of tithe as money, and so you'll hear it taught a lot of different ways. Of course, the word tithe is interpreted tenth, ten percent, but tithe is not an amount. Tithe is a priority position. Tithe is first. If you want God to bless this year from now on, He's going to have to be given the first of everything. We, as a church, we give God the first of everything because we know that anything that God has given the first of, He blesses. You know, there are four ways this year this church is doing, giving God the first is, first we're giving Him the first of this year. You heard them talking about it before that today we're going into a 21-day fast. You say, Cricket, that's some extreme Christian stuff, starving yourself. I, I agree, but I love God an extreme amount. And I'm willing to do whatever it takes for me to show God how much I love Him. And so there are Christians all over the nation, all over the world, moving into a 21-day fast at the first of this year because we're saying, hey, God, I love you more than I love my flesh. I love you more than what I have on my plate. I love you more than anything. I'm willing to take the first of my year and show you that I love you. And I can expect if I'll put God the first of my year, God will bless all the rest. So from now on, this year, God's going to be first. If you miss the first, you miss the first. It can't be the first. Just like the tithe. Uh, this week, I was working on a job on uh, New Year's Eve, I mean, New Year's Day, and uh, Jennifer called me. And she said, did you just put and told me a, a, a pretty large amount of money in our bank account? I said, no, I didn't put that much money in there. And she said, somebody did. And I said, oh, well, I don't know. It might be a mistake. 
And so she tried to call the bank. They were closed. So she was kept checking all day online where that money came from because it was a large amount of money. And about 5 o'clock that day, it wasn't saying post anymore. It came up and said, who came? And the last letter says, you know, certain, certain thousands. In bed. It says GOV. My government stimulus package went in my account on New Year's Day. How many of you guys got yours? Imagine if you got it. It's there. And so Jennifer called me and said, Craig, I found out where, where it came from. It was the stimulus package. She said, I'm going to move it over to savings. I said, no, don't move it yet, Jen. First, we've got to pay the tithes. Because if we don't pay the tithes before we move it, then we've moved it. And then next, I'll pay it. And the tithe has to be first. And I want God to bless us financially this year more than I could ever imagine. So we paid our tithe. We texted the 84321, paid our tithe, and then she moved it. You say, Cricket, why, why would you say? Because God will bless anything that you give him the first on. And this year, going into a fast, we're, we're, we, we do four different kind of fasts here. One fast is we do a complete fast. Now, let me be honest with you. I'm just completing. I know I go contrary to a lot of believers on this right now, but we live in a very cont- weird day, and COVID-19 is real, and I want everybody's uh, immune system staying up as high as it can. If you don't go talk to a health professional and they tell you to do a complete fast, don't do a complete fast. Some people do. Some preachers will preach. It's not a fast if you're not drinking water. I'm here to tell you that there are other biblical fasts in the Bible. But there is a fast called, and the Lord's speaking to you to do it. My advice as a pastor is go talk to your doctor and make sure it's okay. Because we're living in a different time of COVID. And your health and your immunity need to stay up. And the truth is, when you fast completely, your immune system does go down. So there's complete fast. Then there's what they call a partial fast. And that's where people take certain times of their day. Like, um, I know a family that was telling me yesterday that what they do, they're going to fast breakfast and lunch, and then they're going to eat dinner together as a family. They're going to do that through the 21 days. That's called a partial fast. That's biblical. You can fast just breakfast. You can fast dinner. You can fast. It's called partial. You take part of your day, and you fast before the Lord. It can be a fast. Another fast is called a selected fast. Some people call that the pleasant bread fast. In other words, you got your favorite thing, and you say for the next 21 days, I am not going to eat chocolate every single night when I get in bed. I'm going to fast Dr. Peppers. For me, if I was doing that one, it would be Red Bulls have to go to the side. You know, but it's a selected fast. Me pushing away something, saying that, God, I know I love you, and I want to show you you're important enough to me to be first. I'm going to push this away for a season, for 21 days at the beginning of this year. And then there's what they call the social fast, which is also called the soul fast, which is um, anything your mind feeds on. Some people, you know, fast news. Some people, fast. one year I fasted uh, talk radio because I was addicted to it. Couldn't, it was a year President Obama was running for office, and I couldn't get in my car without listening to it. And the Lord said, are you ready to give that up? I said, oh, but Lord, they're about to vote in a few months. I need to know. And he said, no, you know, even though I gave it up, it didn't change the election at all. But it did change me. And it allowed God to do that. There's the, what they call the, the social fast. Some people give up Facebook. Some people give up you know, things. That, anything that your soul feeds on, you give that up for 21 days for time with the Lord and focus, showing Him that I'm putting you first. Because if you can give God anything of the first, He blesses all the rest. Now, going back to the money thing, like tithe. It's not an amount. It's a win. Anytime something happens that is not at the first, it's not a tithe. They say that tithe, the, the meaning of the word tithe is 10%. You know, I can give 30%. And if I don't give it, 
off the top. If I don't give it first, it's not a tithe, it's an offering. And there are different promises that come with the offering. So if I let's say I if I work all month and you know pay all my bills and I have sixty percent of my money left, I want to give that to the Lord, that'll be my tithe. That's not tithe. Tithe can only come off of the front. The reason why I say it in that terms is this year, if you miss January, you'll miss the first of this year. If you say cricket, I don't want to fast, then you find some way this year to put God first so He can bless the rest. Because from now on, God will be first, is what the Lord's step He's asked us to take. Secondly, as a church, we believe in, God in the, giving God the first of every month. What does that mean? That means this. Every month I sit down and I schedule and I budget. I schedule and I budget. I schedule my time to be able to be involved in the groups, the small groups, the gathering together, the fellowship, the service and ministry that I know that I'm called to be a part of. Because if I don't schedule it, guess what happens in life? It gets too busy. And then I sit down at the first of the month and we budget. We decide, all right, all right we're gonna, if, I, if I go do this, I find out where my money is so I can make sure that I'm giving God the first. That's how you give God the first of every month. Is you sit down and you make a schedule that sets Him first and you make a budget that sets Him first. Then we give God the first of our week. That's why you're here today. It's Sunday. See, some denominations, some churches, they go to church on Saturday. We go on Sunday because Saturday is the Sabbath. They believe that out. But we as a Church, we believe we go to church on Sunday. We put God first so that if we put God first on Sunday morning, He blesses the rest of the week. i got to be honest with you. There have been seasons in my life where I would think it would be okay to miss a Sunday here or there. And I can look back and those were rough weeks. How many of you guys have missed church for a period of time, been out of for a season, and then when you finally get to go back to church, man, you're in there and you're like, why did I ever leave? I can't believe I... And see, that's, that's what God does. That's how you, when you give Him the first of your week. You say, well, Craig, they're preaching on marriage. I don't need to go this week. It's not about what we're preaching on. What it's about, it's about you being in the presence of God. And you're saying, God... I may not can hear, find, get to you anywhere else out there. But for the next hour and a half, I'm going to come sit in your presence and let you do what you want to do. And you see that you're important enough for me to set my first on you. And then he can bless the rest of the week. Daniel made the decision. He resolved that he was not going to live undefiled. And the Bible says it calls unbelievers, unsaved leaders to have favor for him. Do you realize what could happen on your job? If you gave God the first and it became a resolve, He was going to get your every first. And you made the decision, as from now on, I'm not going to miss a single service on Sunday. Even when I, yeah, i got to be honest with you, I try to teach this to my kids. When we're on vacation, we go to church. As a matter of fact, it's some of my favorite times to ever go to church. Because I just get to go to church. And I get to go sit and worship and listen. And so we, I want my kids to know, what do we do? We put God first every week. And then, you put God first every day. How do you put God first every day? Well, you start your day off giving it to God. Here's the challenge. Before you go social, go spiritual. Because most of the time, people pick up their phone first thing in the morning and go to Facebook or go to news. And they're trying to find out what they missed out there. I want to put this challenge before you this year. Going into this year, before you go anywhere in your day, go to God. Put God first. Watch what He does. You say, well, Cricket, how can I do it? Here's a couple of real easy plans. One, you can do what they call a 15-minute plan. Before you get out of bed, you grab that phone. You go to the Bible app, you Bible version, and they put a verse of the day. You read that for five minutes. Then you get up as you're getting a shower, brushing your hair, putting your makeup on or whatever. You put on your worship on your phone. 
and you worship while you're getting ready. Thirdly, you take five minutes before you walk out of your bathroom or your bedroom and you sit down and you pray. You have a conversation about what's going to happen that day. You pray over your kids. You pray over God's will. You lay down and you sit. You spend five minutes praying. That's 15 minutes of your day. But that 15 minutes of your day has the power to change all the rest. You say, well, cricket, I, I do more than 15. Great. Well, here's another plan. There's what they call the 20-20-20 plan. You get up in the morning and, you know, on the Bible, you buy a Bible version app, they've got a yearly reading plan there that you can go through every day of the year. It gives you a certain amount. It takes about 20 minutes to read that. You read that 20-minute session. Then what you do is you go sit down somewhere, whether it's a 20-minute drive to work, 20, you put on your worship music, and you begin to worship. And what I do is I take my notepad out and I begin to journal what I believe God is telling me out of what it is I read. So I'm in worship in His presence, letting Him speak to me. And then somewhere in that day, for 20 minutes, I try to find somebody that I can tell them what God told me during my 20 minutes in the morning that I listened to 20 minutes while I was with Him so I can share and change somebody else's life as well. 20, 20, 20. That's an hour. If you're more spiritual than that, then... You can get up every morning, do your 20-20-20, but you can also get on our church Facebook page at 8.30. There's a different pastor every morning giving a devotional. Some are long-winded, some are not. That's why I don't do it, because they'd be all long-winded. I watch you guys. <laughs> but Jennifer, I told Jennifer the other day, I said, girl, you went long. You're preaching like me, girl. And, um, but every day at 8.30, we have a different minister giving a devotion. But if you will give God the first part of your day, it supernaturally releases His hand to fix all the rest. So this is my first resolve for you. Can you say from now on, I'm going to put God first? Because if you can make that one, this will get to be the next one you get to make. From now on, I can expect God to show up. I wish I could share with you the power and the confidence in my life I have when I give God my first. The strength in the place I move into that it runs fear out of my life. When I get a bad financial bill in the mail now, and I look at it and it's, it used to would take my breath away, there's a new confidence in me now that I look at it and say, oh, God's got this because I gave you Him my first. And when I gave Him my first, I can expect Him to take care of all the rest. That's what it says. He's, he's, he's strong enough and He says, test me in this. You give him the first of your day. And it, then you can say from now on, after uh, when I get up from my, my time with the Lord at the beginning of the day, I get up and say, and for the rest of the day, God, I know you're going to be there. Because I've been on both sides of this thing. There were times when God was not first. And I would find myself facing things in my days, in my weeks, in my months, and in my years that I did not have the confidence of expecting God to be there, expecting God to show up, expecting so instead of having the power of grace at work in my life, I was begging for the mercy. God, please get me out of this. God, please help me do this. God, please. And i got to be honest with you. Living on the grace side of life is so much greater. Because I have a confidence that, God, I know who you are. I know what you do. I'll put you first. I know you're going to show up. You're not going to let me shatter at me. Shaq and Abednego and Daniel did not wait till they were in their mess before God became first. But because they put God first before they were in their mess, all of them had the confidence that God would show up when they were there. And do you know what God did? He showed up. Do you need God to show up in your marriage today? 
You're going to have to make the resolve from now on God's going to be first. Do you need God at work in your job today? You have to make the decision. I'm not going to show up to get that paycheck first. I'm going to show up first, be a Christian, be a God-fearing, loving man or woman. And then I'll get paid at the end of the week. But that's not what I'm here for. I'm here first to be what God wants me to be on this job. Do you want God involved in your health? To have the confidence that I'm going to be healed. I put God first and He takes care of the rest. Because when we seek Him first, all these things are added to us as well. This is our close today. I know today was extremely simple. But there's steps we have to take. Don't matter what else we go over this month. If God is not first, then things are out of alignment. And it won't matter what we go into and go through. It's going to be a battle and a fight. Because life was never lived to have God anywhere else except number one. The tithe is not just money. It's everything. It's your time. It's your passion. As a matter of fact, there was a whole church in Revelations that said, man, you did everything so good. But this one thing I have against you, you've left your first love. Your priorities got out of line. You were a good church. You did great things. But you left your first love. Priorities. Alignment. And I'm sure it was because they went through a lot of stuff. And they went through a lot of battles. They probably had a 20-20 or a 10-10 or a 10-10 or a BC. I don't know what they went through. But I know this, whatever it was, it was either good enough or bad enough for them to get out of alignment and take God out of first place. And you will never make it and be fulfilled, happy, and at rest until God's in first. So this is my prayer. If you're here today and you say, Cricket, man, I did not put God first. Then what happens, like I, I brought me a tuxedo today. The reason why I brought it because first of the year, you know, there's, you can, I can dress up. You know, when people go to the Academy Awards, they, they don't come up and say, what are you wearing? What do they say? Who are you wearing? Because it's not what they're wearing that matters. It's whose name's on that label that makes the difference. Because two people can be wearing a black tuxedo and it'd be made by two different people and one's more valuable than the other. This year is going to be a year of hope. You going into this year is going to, how you go through this year will determine what steps you're willing to take. Now, you say, well, cricket, going to church every Sunday. Cricket, going, you know, paying my tithes. Cricket, you know, doing a fast. Cricket, you know, getting up every day and reading my Bible. That's just not me. It don't fit me. That's not who I am. I'm here to tell you, you got the choice to change clothes. I got the choice of who I wear or what I wear. Some of you are going to go or you're tempted to go into 2021 wearing a bathrobe. You're just looking for the comfortable outfit to wear this year. You know, you want to be able to lounge and be you, but it's time for you to decide that this year, God's about to do some great things. And you're not going to let Him do them without you. So you're going to get up and you're going to put on what it takes to put on. You're going to get the armor of God, which is the shield of faith, the sword of the Spirit, the helmet of sight. And you're going to get up, you're going to show up, and you're going to put God first, number one. COVID-19 has put a lot of Christians 
at ease. That's why churches all over the nation are running a third of what they were. 2021 will even put us, or you, all of our families. I was so afraid. You know, can I be honest with my greatest fear of 2020 was? When churches shut down, I was so afraid that my kids were going to grow up and it'd be normal for them not to go to church. Because I remembered what it was like when I chose not to go to church for a season and the hell and the havoc that happened in my life. You say, is it church? No, it's putting God first. Putting God first. When I didn't put God first, I put my own desires, my own dreams, my own things. I was so, that was my greatest fear going through COVID was that my kids were going to get normal without God being first. And so we started looking, trying to figure out ways that I'm so thankful. You know, I'm here today and my kids are sitting in church today because that's not normal. We were going to do whatever it took to make sure that they knew that because I know this is the secret to the blessings of life. We don't live for blessings. You need to understand that. This is not a church. That's probably, we don't live for blessings. We live for God. But you know what happens when you live for God? You get blessed. That's what happens. And so going into this year, I'm going to ask you, can you make the choice? Can you make the declaration? Will you make the resolve that from now on this year, God's going to be first? From now on. If you're here, I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes real quick. If you're here and you say, Cricket, God's not been first. God's not been first, but I'm going to make the resolve today that from now on, I will do everything within my power to put God first. Then you put God first. Would you simply raise your hand? And you can put your hand down. Let me tell you one test. I know long, but it's first Sunday of the year. <laughs> there was a young man in the church. He's not here today, I don't think. Came to me about two months ago. And he said, Cricket, he said, I can't. I, you know, me and my family, we've sat down with our budget and we've tried to work through our thing. And, and I just can't see any way we can pay 10% of time. I said, man, you've got it wrong. It's not amount. I said, it's position, priority, place, first. It doesn't matter if you, I said, and I'll tell you, I said, it doesn't matter if you take 1% or 30%. If I take 1% and give it at the first of the month, it's a tithe. If I take 30% and give it at the end of the month, it's an offering. I believe in both, but I can't live without the tithe. Because the promise out of it, it says that He will open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessings my storehouse can't even contain. He will rebuke the devourer for my name's sake. That I don't have to worry about my cars breaking down. I don't got to worry about my, my kids at school getting out of work because He's rebuking the devourer for everything that my name is on. And He walked out of there and I didn't think He got it. But He started giving 1%. And y'all saw him stand on this stage two weeks ago, Cody, and talk about how his job went from making not enough to support his family to in just a couple weeks period. Now he was making three times what he was making. He had been positioned in a whole new place. You say, was it money? It ain't about money. What I'm telling you is this. Could you imagine if we were just giving 1% of our day, 1% of our week, 1% of our month, 1% of our year, what he could do with all the rest? He will bless you beyond. If you will say, Cricket, I, from now on, I will do everything in my power to put God first. 
then you can say this with bold confidence. From now on, I can expect God to show up on my behalf and go for me in my battles. Be my rear guard. Fight for me on my right and on my left. You can have a confidence in God that can't be shaken. When you know you put God first. Amen? Let me pray over you. I told you today it was going to be very simple. And I believe it was simple. It's probably the greatest decision I can make right now. Is from now on, God's going to be first. No matter what. But next week's going to get a little bit more deeper, a little bit more intense. You don't need to miss it. We're going to go on into dealing with the battles that you're fighting. Because from now on, the Bible of the Rose of Promise that said this. The enemy see you see before you today, you will never see before you again. There's a resolve you can make that will change the battle that you fight forever. I believe addictions will be broken. I believe peace will be found. So we'll go deeper this week, but it doesn't matter if things are out of alignment. If you go into this year and God's not first, nothing else will work. So I want to pray with you. Maybe God has never been first in your life or you know God's not been first lately. If by your hand, close your eyes. I want you to pray your prayer with me. Say, Dear Father, I ask you to forgive me for any and everything that I have put in front of you. And today I make the resolve that from now on, you will be first. I will give you first in every way that I am possibly able. I reserve the time in my days, the time in my months, the times in my weeks, and this time in this year. Because, God, I honor you. And, Lord, I thank you. The promise is I can expect you to show up and be there for me. So from now on, you're first. And from now on, I can see you move. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen.